Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please subscribe to our weekly Boston Bruins hockey talk on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify Podcasts. We'd certainly appreciate it if you give us show a five-star rating along with a written review. You can also subscribe to our official YouTube channel for a video version of our weekly program. If you'd like to support our show financially, please go to our blackandgoldhockey.com website and click on our affiliated fanatics banner before shopping online another way to financially support our weekly program is to become a patreon member to be eligible for weekly boston hockey prizes and monthly boston bruins hand signed jersey giveaways please go to patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast and donate just one dollar per episode many thanks for the continued support and enjoy the show What's up, Bruins fans? Welcome back to the Black and Go Hockey Podcast. This is episode 287, and it's brought to you by betonline.ag. We are back talking Boston Bruins. We have a ton of stuff to talk about. What a week in, in, in uh, Boston Bruins news um, between we're going to talk about free agency, Jim Montgomery hire, development camp. Uh, but uh, there's a ton of shit to talk about. So, And I'm really excited to have my boy Kevin O'Keefe with me. Kevin, what's up, buddy? Oh, you know, hanging out, just waiting for some more uh, news to drop. Oh, little insider stuff going on, maybe? Who knows? Who knows? knows? I guess we'll all wait and see. Yeah, I tried to pry it out of you earlier, but whatever. All right, but anyway, uh, we do have a special guest. His name is Mike Sullivan. Give him a follow. 
at underscore Mike Sullivan. And Mike works for us at BNG Productions. He's a writer and and most recently hung out with me all week at Boston Bruins Development Camp at the Warrior Ice Arena. Mike, how you doing? And thank you very much for giving us some time today. Yeah, of course. Uh, uh, first of all, like I'm very grateful for the opportunity to be able to spend the week with you guys, um, be able to spend the week down at Warrior, meet all the guys, uh, get some experience down on the media side of things. And um, overall, it was a very great week, and I'm really excited to be here. So awesome. There we go. Awesome. Yeah, you're, you're a good dude, and uh, it was a pleasure to meet you and everybody else that – works for this uh this small sports media company but we're growing and uh getting more and more access every year so hopefully man i i that threshold of 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 watching a game from the press box at td garden is just i can almost grab it but we still have a lot of work to get there so and and i'm not gonna stop never giving up so um yeah so why don't we jump jump right into uh, uh, the topics that we're going to talk about? Um, it was uh, an interesting week, uh, to say the least. Obviously, the free free agency. It, it, I mean, let's go let's go back to the draft. I mean, it's been compressed into some really constricted times for the Boston Bruins organization. You had the draft last Thursday and Friday, and then you had a couple of days off, and then you had development camp, and then free agency was like right in the middle of, of last week. So. Lots of lots of stuff to talk about, but uh, the biggest one it was the trade with New Jersey that uh, brought Pavel Zaka to Boston for Eric Halla. Um And as it is right now, uh, Pavel Zaka, I believe he is a 25-year-old forward uh, center and left wing, and um, he's unsigned right now. So obviously negotiations are going on with him, and hopefully it's a positive thing. And and obviously, hopefully, we can get him signed. But there's there's going to be some some cap massaging that needs to be done with this, and and who knows what's going to happen. So, uh, Kevin, what are your initial thoughts on the Zaka trade? And do you think we can get this deal done and 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 still be cap compliant? We can be ten percent over the cap during the off season. Keep that in mind, folks. Yeah, this is a this is a really good um, trade for Don Sweeney, in my opinion. You're switching out a. Uh, 31-year-old Eric Halla, who honestly probably wasn't going to be re-signing here after his deal ended at the end of this upcoming season. So to be able to flip a player like that for a young, uh, big-bodied, really skilled um, center at 25 years old, I mean, I think that's just an awesome job by Sweeney there. Um, he's He hasn't really hit his potential or, or has he? I mean, it, it's it's tough to tell, but the skill set and the tools this guy has and what he's done with the New Jersey Devils, you know there's another level to his game. I think this guy could be a second-line center in the right situation, and I, I hope it's this one. Yeah. Mike, what are your thoughts on uh, the Zaka to Boston to deal? So just like Kevin said, like flipping a 31-year-old Eric Halla for – I mean, Zaka was a sixth overall pick in 2015, which is kind of funny. It's almost like the Bruins are trying to kind of redeem themselves for that 2015 draft. Don't but, get them going. Yeah. <laughs> trigger, but trigger. He, I, I like him. Like he brings some, he brings some speed. He brings definitely brings size. Um, and like Kevin was saying too, the potential I don't think has been met yet. He he's been playing in New Jersey. New Jersey hasn't really seen success yet. He hasn't been around, you know, star players who are older than him. He was almost brought in there as kind of a piece to lead the charge, but he didn't really have anybody to, you know, help him out. 
uh, in his game, but coming here, potentially having Bergeron come back, potentially having Krejci come back, um, and Krejci just like Zaka uh, is a is a fellow Czech, so I kind of see them feeding off each other and learning from each other's game, and I, I do see Zaka having success here, and he could become a big piece in the future. So I think the trade overall is great. Now, here's another question, uh, dovetailing this uh, this topic. Do you think that the deal to get Zaka here was to possibly make some fellow Czech natives happy? Like, would would something like this entice David Krejci to 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 come back, or, or even a, a, a player, an impact player on this Boston Bruins team like David Pasternak to uh, sign an extension? Uh, that's been tossed around a little bit that maybe some of his comrades coming in from his native country might uh, might you know swing uh, the deals their way and and to have a, a fellow a native uh, countryman on board it kind of makes sense but um, hopefully they're not just doing deals just to get the whole check line going. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to Krejci, I don't think so. I think Krejci is more waiting to well not really waiting i think he wants to come back but he i don't think he wants to come back unless bergeron is going to be back i think if he's coming back he wants to take a real crack at it try for another cup with this team before sailing off into the sunset now when it comes to Pasternak, we may have something there but i don't know if it's this particular player but just a sign that they're trying to move towards the future because if you're david Pasternak, you're wondering what is this team going to look like moving into the future past Bergeron, past Krejci, even past Martian, because he'll still be here. So to bring in a guy like Pavel Zaka, while yes, he is Czech, so that is pretty cool for a guy like David Pasternak, but, or Czechia, I mean, I, I think that's what you're supposed to be saying yeah. nowadays. Don't want to offend anybody. But um, it's one of those things where he sees a young, talented kid being brought in that may have a next level to hit, and it could be a center that, quite possibly he could be playing with uh, for years to come after this. But I mean, or he isn't, it might be somebody else, but at least the team has taken a step towards trying to ad- address certain areas for the future. <clears throat> Mike, um, as a media member at uh, the Zaka press conference, what what kind of uh, feeling did you get from the player? Uh, and, and tell us a little bit about the surprise that a lot of people didn't know that he was local uh, for a while. Yeah, absolutely. So, Zaka had mentioned he spends his summers in Boston. Um, He loves to golf around here. He's actually very friendly with some of the Bruins guys. And the biggest thing that stuck out to me was that he's been best friends with uh, Jacob Zaboral. So said he's been best friends with him since he was four years old. Um, They're from the same town in Chechia. And um, that could be a big thing for Zaboral too, you know, Uh, maybe make him more comfortable. Um, You bring in one of his best friends and, I mean, imagining for myself playing with one of my best friends in the NHL, like that would only motivate me more to get better and really get to the big team and be a contributing factor. So uh, everything from the Zaka conference was nothing but uh, good news and um, good vibes for him. So, yeah, that's a good point, Mike. Good point on the on the Jakob Zaboral front. 
I mean, if he can stay healthy, um, myself and Mark, we've been touting this for I don't know how long about trying him on that top pairing before we brought in Hampus Lindholm. But, you know, Dom brought it up last week or the week before, I forget which week it was, about trying Zaboral on that top pairing with uh, Hampus Lindholm since he can play the right side very effectively, as we saw in uh, juniors. Um, so, you know, motivation to try and you know, stay healthy, even though that can be out of his control in a certain sense, but maybe take measures to protect himself better and be able to be a skilled player for this team moving forward and playing with a guy like Pavel Zaka, who he was best friends with. I think that's a a great thing that you said there, Mike. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's the one thing that stuck out the most to me. So hopefully that translates over. Yeah. Um, I like, uh, I like the idea. I hope, I hope he can get his his true potential because I don't I really don't think that he completely had it in New Jersey, whether it be a personal thing or or just what the roster looked like in New Jersey the past couple of years while he's been in the system. Um, but you know, if we can tap into some of that that talent and and kind of uh, you know get a boost out of him and 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 get more offensive production out of him. I think it's going to be a great deal. It, it just comes down to numbers now um, on, on the contract. And and I'm not even sure because I didn't do my homework uh, uh, quite yet. But um, does anybody know the qualifying offer that, that Zaka is going to get? Three million. Is it? Mm-hmm. Okay. I thought it was going to be a little higher than that. But that's really not that yeah. bad then. Um, they could discuss a, you know, a, a different type of deal. I mean, the way I look at it um, – if you look at just purely from his stats, from his offensive production, every single year, while it's been very slight, he has improved every year, at least in point totals. I mean, you look in 2015, 2016, he had a single game. He had two points. He had two assists. That's that's very promising. 2016, 2017, 24 points. And then the following year, 25. And then he kind of plateaued at 25, but then went up to 32. 35 and then last season 36. So he's been consistently getting better. It's been slow, but maybe it wasn't the right situation for him. Now, when it comes down to like the contract he actually signs, whether he takes that $3 million qualifying offer or they get him in there for something a little less or a tiny bit more, I kind of look at something like a Jake DeBrusque bridge type deal like he just got not for four million obviously because Jake DeBrusque has had more success in the league than Pavel Zaka to this point but maybe something like two years three million somewhere between maybe like 2.7 and three million I think that would be very good for not only the team but uh, Pavel Zaka himself because it will give him a chance to be able to come in and you know play his game not feel like he's eaten up too much of that cap so you don't have people on his back like oh this guy's making four million dollars and only putting up you know let's say he puts up 40 points, you know, people, you know, people, they're going to get all (laughs) panties in the bunch and diapers are going to be filled everywhere. So it's just one of those things where get, get on the team, prove what you can do in a good situation. He's going to have, whether he's on the first line, second line or third line, he's going to have quality players to play with. I mean, playing with uh, Charlie Coyle and a Craig Smith. I mean, I think that's an honor in this league to be a part of what could be one of the best third lines in the league, but um it's going to be interesting to see what happens. All right, moving on to the next topic. Um, last week on Monday, Jim Montgomery officially uh, took the podium in his press conference at TD Garden, and our own Black and Gold Productions uh, writer, 
Theo Lander was in the house. Uh, we had media access for that as well. So um, good things for Theo and B&G. Uh, but um, I, I liked I liked what the coach had to say. Uh, he seems very confident. You know, I mean, a lot of his things were, were were pretty much cliche. But there's a lot of things that you wanted to hear too about like communication and so on and how to, how to deliver a message. Um, those are the types of things that I really want to hear. But it's going to be challenging for him to come in as a as a new coach to an organization. And one that's probably going to be struggling for at least a month or two uh, with the loss of, of Brad Marchand and Charlie McAvoy and so on. So, um, But uh, he, he seems like a promising coach that wants to work with the youth and, and will talk to the youth and, and, and try to like work them into the lineup. I, I want to say like a little better than the past two coaches we've had in Boston. So, uh, obviously remains to be seen, but I think it's a good hire. And I, and I, I liked a, a couple of things that he said in the press conference. So Kevin, uh, I'm sure that you watched that as well. And, and what are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I think you said it great. Uh, one of the things that sticks out for me is that he's going to be the type of coach that actually listens to his players opposed to being a dictator up there, you know, like, Oh, this is what we're doing. 100%. You know, he's going to listen to what Patrice Bergeron has to say, Martian, uh, Pasternak, Krejci, if he were to come back, um, you know, guys like that. So I, I really like that. And one thing that stuck out to me during that press conference, which has nothing to do with how he's going to coach or anything like that, was that the first player he talked to was Patrice Bergeron. Now, the things he had to say about Patrice Bergeron were great and everything about how he felt like he was talking to a coach and instead of a player and this and that it shows he has high respect for him and he's probably going to lean on him a lot when it comes to learning about this team learning the room getting a feel for the room you know where guys usually like to play with who they like to play with but the biggest thing that stuck out for me in that is that why is Patrice Bergeron talking to the new head coach of the Boston Bruins if he's not going to be signing here and guys like Pavel Zaka the first one that called or texted Pavel Zaka was Patrice Bergeron and Pavel saying, Oh, I can't wait until, you know, I can't wait to see him at camp. You know, I, I'm so happy. He's my captain. He's coming yeah. back. So everybody settle down on the Bergeron front. He's coming back. Don't worry. It's all, it's all gravy, baby. Mike thoughts on the Jim Montgomery hiring and the press conference on Monday. Uh, so like Kevin said, he, he really does seem like a player's coach. Um, and I think that's what this team needs at this moment. And there's been there's been rumors about, you know, some disgruntled players with Cassidy. And if the, if those are true, it makes sense why David Krejci would be coming back. It makes sense why Jake DeBrusque took his uh, or rescinded his trade request. I think overall he's we're going to see a lot of integration of youth into the lineup. I think we're going to see a lot more of um, Jackson Nika. Um, you, you know, it's important for at this moment in the Bruins team, it's important for those guys to be playing more. And just like Jacobs Borrell, I think he's going to be seeing a lot more time as well. And, you know, Montgomery also stressed um, that it's an honor to be coaching for an original six team. He understands what it truly means or seems to understand what it truly means to coach this team and the history that we have and um, how much the city cares about the team. And I think, he's going to see a lot of success here. And I think fans are really, really going to like Jim Montgomery behind the bench. So. Yeah. 
No, I completely agree. Uh, new voice, new message. Uh, you know, it's sometimes head coaches in the NHL are so recycled. You know, it, it, you generally do not see many of them last longer than six years or, or, or even four years. So um, it, it remains to be seen what, what he does, but it's a positive move forward to a team that, you know, just seemed that they – they needed a guy to capture the locker room again. And, you know, players want to have fun again and do the, do the, do the right thing. And I think that Montgomery is the guy that can lead um, to some good success in, in the next couple of years. I'm not saying that, you know, Stanley Cup next year. I'm not calling that at all. But it, it's it's always something good to have in the fold of, of a new voice and, and, and just somebody that can communicate better with the with the uh the bench and in in the room and and even personally you know he just seems like that type of guy that you can just knock on his door and sit down in his office for an hour and just gab away about stuff so i think that's important these days you know and it's not it's not some people saying oh the players are now all sensitive and this and that it's just shut up you know i can't stand that but (laughs) sometimes it's just like everybody's job i don't understand why sports they get a pass on on most things you know, I would love to sit down with my boss and sit there and have a good conversation with him and not be, just be like, you know, pointing fingers like you do this, you do that, you do that. It just sometimes that gets stale. So, a hundred percent. It's it's all about communication. And he just seems like, you know, he's going to communicate with the guys and he's going to be his door's always open. Yep. Oh, he just seems like that kind of guy. And that's perfect and exactly what they need. So. Absolutely. All right. Um do we want to touch on the free agency next? Yeah, let's do that. All right. Um, so on Wednesday at noon, um, obviously the Pavel Zaka trade happened just before the uh, the start time for the free agent frenzy. And uh, the Boston Bruins made some, uh, some signings. Uh, really nothing significant, in my opinion. Uh, one player I, I, I didn't see getting a deal um a one way at least but the rest of them are all pretty much players that we're probably going to see in providence which is which is good for a providence team because some of these players can go down to the american hockey league and work with our younger core and um and i actually like a, a couple of them that um that they picked up so um the the most predominant one and the first one uh that broke news uh was aj greer uh, out of new jersey he signed a two-year, one-way deal for uh, worth seven hundred and sixty-two thousand per season. Uh, he's twenty-five years old. He had twenty-two goals, thirty assists, fifty-two points in fifty-three games with the Utica Comets last year. And with New Jersey, he got in nine games and had a goal and an assist in two points. So, Kevin, um, thoughts on this type of player? Kind of a grindy guy. Got a hundred uh, penalty minutes last year. Uh, in the AHL. So um, what are your thoughts on AJ Greer? Yeah. I mean, I I think all, I mean, not only this signing, but all of them are just, um, they're good depth moves because you need players like this, who you can not only infuse into your AHL lineup, who looks like they're going through a bit of a, uh, you know, a retool is, is well there, but to have these players for injuries or anything of the like where they can come up and, um, you know, maybe get some NHL time, get a look. I mean, to me, Greer seems like just a he, – he seems like one of those forwards who can add some energy if he were to be brought up. So 
I'm fine with these signings. I know a lot of people are putting their comments out there, like get the duck boats ready. Good job, Sweeney, you know, blah, 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 being all sarcastic. But, you know, the AHL roster still exists. And even below that, you need to be able to fill those out as well. So, you know, whether he sees time with the Bruins or not, I mean, they don't affect the cap or the Boston Bruins moving forward. So it's, for me, it's just, it's a fine, it's a fine signing. Mike, your thoughts on the AJ Greer signing? So he, he brings a lot of like grit to the team, to the lineup. I was looking through some of his highlights on, on YouTube and uh, one of them stuck out to me heavily. It's, he was, he got in a fight in the AHL and something Boston fans all love is physicality and fighting. And he was in the penalty box after the fight and there was a little skirmish and he jumped right back out of the penalty box and he started another fight. So it kind of straight out of the movie goon. He's one of those guys who's, who's going to bring that energy and he, he could, that could translate to the uh, NHL club as well. If it may be a fourth line guy, you need some uh, big bodies, some nights, physical games. He's, he's going to be your guy. So I think he's going to bring that to the lineup. Uh, he might not be there for, you know, all 82, but if you need a guy to come up, he, he'll be there and he'll bring that energy. So, well, you talk about the fourth line, Mike, and is this the type of player that could replace Curtis Lazar, who signed as a free agent uh, and pretty much priced himself out um, out of Boston? He we need as much cap space as possible, uh, and he signs with the Vancouver Canucks. But is this the type of player that could possibly be uh, the replacement for a, a, a player like Lazar? It's exactly what I was thinking. And like you said, he's coming in at uh, 762000 saving us some money and bringing a similar style of game, maybe even better. That's, you know, that's to be seen. But um, just the way he plays and his style of play is going to fit in with what fans expect from this team. So I, I like the signing and, you know, there's, there's potential for it to work out. There's potential for it not to work out. But the, at the cap pit that he's at, it's not too big of a risk, and um, I, I like it overall. The other thing I wanted to talk about is the one-way deal on A.J. Greer. Um, it's uh, If he doesn't make the Boston Bruins right out of camp, he's got he's to be uh, exposed to the waiver process uh, if they want to place him in Providence. Um, and I'm not overly privy on the player. I didn't you know, do a ton of homework on him, but um, I, I, I'm – pretty sure a player like that would probably pass if somebody else is looking for a grit on an, in the nhl they'll probably pick him up if, if he uh if he happens to go on the waiver wire uh the next one that was uh signed as a free agent was defenseman connor carrick it's a one-year deal it's a two-way deal and it's worth 750k at the nhl level uh connor is 28 years old he's got he had 10 goals 22 assists 32 points in 59 games played with Charlotte in the American Hockey League last year. Um, it's going to it's going to really uh, uh, boost up the Providence back end and uh, and, and the power play. Yeah, he's real effective mover, real mobile along the blue line and the boards. Uh, and I think he's going to do well in a Ryan Mujanel system. Um, so thoughts on the Connor Carrick uh, one year two way deal. Yeah, it's just another another depth signing for the AHL. I mean, could possibly get some uh, looks at the NHL level if there is injuries, enough injuries, and, you know, he can go up there. He's 
played in 247 career NHL games um, with a multitude of different uh, organizations. But he's got 49 points over those games. Uh, you know, he could be, uh, he could maybe even be a seventh defenseman on some teams. So, I mean, definitely not a bad pickup. I don't know. Mike, thoughts on Connor Garrick? Yeah, uh, with I'm um, with the injuries that you know the team is kind of facing early in the season. I could see him playing maybe 10, 15 games in the NHL, and then when we kind of get healthy, go back down to Providence, um, play some top minutes, and then be a depth guy in case you know more injuries happen. Because we all know, I mean, it's you know to be seen if we make playoffs, but playoffs come, injuries happen every year. It doesn't matter what team. Um, so depth wise, he's, I think he's a very good pickup. All right. Uh, moving on to the next one is a forward Vinny Letary out of the Anaheim duck system. Uh, he uh, signed a one year, two way deal worth 750,000 at the NHL level. Uh, Letary is 27 years old. He had eight goals, 14 assists, 22 points in 24 games played in San Diego and uh, went five, five and 10. Uh, with the NHL Ducks in 31 games last year. Um, he's an interesting player for me. Uh, obviously, it's going to be a Providence thing, too. Um, you know, getting – basically, you lost uh, Cameron Hughes to the, C, uh, the Seattle Kraken. So, I think Vinny Letary is going to come in there and do uh, a good job, like I said, under a Ryan Mujanel system and, uh, and be a, 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 a good veteran for the younger players. So, I think that's a, a real good depth move right there. Uh, thoughts on that, Kevin? Like you said, this is an interesting one for me, but for different reasons. I mean, he's 27 years old. Uh, last season, he skated in 31 games with the Anaheim Ducks, and he recorded five goals and five assists for 10 points. Um, this is the type of player that I could see making that fourth line interesting maybe pushing for a spot, maybe making kids elevate their game enough to be able to take that spot over him. But I would not count him out on possibly being a part of that fourth line for a, a good amount of the season for the NHL, for the Bruins. Interesting. Mike, thoughts on Terry? So, yeah, he's a very interesting guy. Um, in the AHL, he's very, very productive. He's putting up 30, 40 points a year. Um scoring a lot of goals and um i actually that was a good point kevin i think if he's if he takes that spot on a fourth line maybe he gets some minutes it is going to push other guys to maybe work a little bit harder take that spot back and um create some internal competition and you know you can never have too much of that um and ultimately you know he's a very good ahl player so if he does end up going back to providence it's only going to help that team too. And the, and the guys down there. So overall, I think it's great. Uh, moving on to his defenseman, Daniel Renauf. He signs a two year, two way contract uh, worth 700,062. Oh, wow. I messed that number up. Uh, <laughs> 762K at the NHL level. He's 28 years old. He had three goals, 11 assists, 14 points for grand rapids in the American hockey league. And, uh, in 63 games and four games played with the wings with zero points. Um, and it's a good two, two year deal for a decent defenseman. Uh, that's probably going to spend most of the time down in Providence. Um, you know, and I, I really like the way that the, they, they address the, the Providence defense because 
last year, the goaltending wasn't the issue. It wasn't Kyle Kaiser's fault, and it wasn't Troy Grosnick's fault. It was by far, I thought, a lot of defensive breakdowns were, were happening most of the season, and the injuries didn't help at the end of the year with their one-and-done um, three-game first-round series. So um, I think that they want to address to bolster up that that Providence defense and, and, and obviously create more depth with these signings. So uh, I think this is a good move and, uh, and hopefully it works out and, and he's going to be a veteran. Like can't have enough veterans down in Providence to teach the kids um, the way. So thoughts on the renewed sound signing the two year deal, Kevin. Yeah. I'm going to keep this very short and sweet. Yeah. I think you hit on everything. AHL. Okay. There we go. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he's a beauty. <laughs> any any words on uh, Renouf, uh, Mike? Um, same thing. If if he's spending time in the NHL, we have some problems. I, I I'm gonna be honest. I, I honestly didn't even know who that was when they signed him. <laughs> but if he if he comes to the NHL, I think we have some issues. So all right, ding um, ding 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 ding. I like that. That's a good one. That that does make sense. And I did, and I did mention Troy Grosnick earlier. Uh, he did not uh, resign with the uh, Boston Bruins, uh, from my understanding. And, and a source of mine said that uh, Grosnick, who, who has a young family, um, want, wanted a multi-year deal, and I think he wanted a three-year deal to stay in Providence and with the Boston Bruins organization, so his kids can get more accustomed to their surroundings. Um, but obviously that did not work out. So he signed a deal with the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, and I think Grosnick is probably going to go to Lehigh Valley and play for their um, minor pro affiliate. But we did get a goaltender to replace him in that veteran presence. Uh, Keith Kincaid comes to the Boston Bruins organization on a one-year, two-way deal worth 775 k um, he's 33 years old, and I didn't get much uh, stats on him last year, but I know he played a, a ton of games for the uh, Hartford Wolfpack, and he was really good for uh, a, a pretty decent Wolfpack team last year that was uh, really challenging to play in the Atlantic Division in the American Hockey League. So, um, And I thought in the games that I did watch while, while covering as a media member last year or watching on AHL TV, he he can still play the game at that level and and still be productive and 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 uh, you know give uh, a, an American Hockey League team no matter where he goes a, a chance to to be good in the crease. So uh, sol- solid move there to just to keep the depth going at, at goal. Uh, you know, basically it's just a break glass in case of emergency type of thing. But you do need. Uh, I think he's going to work well with with Kyle Kaiser um, and. But what does that do for Brandon Bussey that, you know, does that put Brandon down in Maine? Uh, we don't know if the East, uh, the ECHL Maine is going to retain um, uh, Jeremy Brodeur or, um, or Callum Booth. So that that might be a spot for Bussey because um, he's signed uh, for the upcoming season. That's it. So we'll see what happens. But thoughts on the Kincaid deal, Kevin? This was my favorite deal of the day for Sweeney, aside from Letary. And the reason being is because I now feel comfortable enough if one of Swayman or Allmark were to go down. I feel like this guy could come in and give you some solid goaltending. 
to help you win those games. I, I, I'm, I'm very happy with this signing. I think it's a smart signing for Sweeney. Excellent. Mike, thoughts on um, Kincaid? Yeah, Kevin, you hit it right on the head. I mean, if he has to come up, if somebody, you know, Allmark Swayman gets hurt, if he has to come up, he has the experience in the NHL. Um, he's played 167 career games in the NHL. He has a career 905 save percentage, career 292 goals against, and that's that's reliable. That's really good. Um, as a backup who has to come in, those are numbers that you can say, like, okay, like this guy, I can trust this guy. He knows what he's doing. Um He's got a history in the in the NHL, and he's um he's a reliable backup goalie. So, just in case, you know, if someone does go down, he's he's a good guy to have in your back pocket. His one game played for the Rangers last uh, season. He uh, turned aside twenty nine shots in a three two victory over the Coyotes. So you know, yep. Bruins kind of had their hands full full with the Coyotes last season for whatever reason. So uh, <laughs> maybe that could help out there if. Ain't, you never know in case break glass. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Um, why don't we take our first uh, break? We're going to hear from the amazing Bruce Sullivan from Boston sports and music memorabilia. He's got some amazing stuff, hand signed jerseys from the Bruins, the Red Sox, the Patriots and the Celtics uh, for all really, really good prices folks. So listen to this upcoming commercial from Bruce and, and jot down uh, his uh, email address and where to find him on Facebook uh, because he g- gives away some amazing prizes just for liking and sharing over on the FB. So uh, listen to Bruce and we'll be back. Hello, Bruins fans. This is Bruce from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia with your black and gold memorabilia moment of the week. On July 20th, we will be hosting Bruins legend and Hockey Hall of Famer Cam Neely. Pre-order a JSA authenticated 8x10 for just $55, a puck for $59, mini helmet for $109, or a jersey starting at just $139. We have breaking news. On August 1st, we will be hosting a private signing with two-time Stanley Cup champ and Bruins legendary defenseman Don Ari. We are accepting send-ins, $20 for pucks and flats, $25 for sticks and jerseys. For more information on our dozens of Bruins hand-signed pieces and your chance to win free memorabilia each week, check us out at our Facebook page, Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia, or email us directly at bostonsportsandmusic at gmail.com. And be sure to tune in each week right here to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Let's go! all right we're back we just heard from bruce sullivan from boston sports and music memorabilia spice up that fan cave folks it looks terrible you need more black and gold all over the place so please take that take notes of where you can follow him and find him and and buy some stuff it's really good birthdays christmas whatever you gotta do buy some hand signed fully authenticated stuff from bruce all right we're back talking bees um and uh kevin's got some things that he wants to talk about so let's give the uh the floor to kevin well i want to start with a discussion on jake debrusque because there's a lot of um you know conflicting feelings on the player on whether or not he's traded you know so let's put aside whether or not he's traded and let's you know just say he's here 
you know, he's got a contract. He's going to be with us next season. Do you think this is the season that we get the highest potential out of Jake DeBrusque? I think so. I do and too. I'll, yeah. And I'll tell you why. I think that there's going to be uh, there's going to be a lot of on Jake's plate this upcoming year. I, I think he's going to shift to start the year for at least a, a, the month and a half or whenever all these injuries. Um, so confusing, but I think he's going to shift back to his natural position on the left side while Brad Marchand's gone uh, out for the while. That pressure that's put on him, it's obviously not not a down pressure. It's going to be a high pressure. Like Jim Montgomery is going to be putting on, like, we need your offensive production to pick up because, you know, in this in the uh, in the absence of Brad Marchand, you know, you're filling some big shoes here. That's that's a lot of confidence. I would I would think that Montgomery was going to be putting on Jake. And what I like about this idea is if he can get that offensive production and be that catalyst um, for for that, that top line in a Boston Bruins team while these players are mending, just think about what he can be. When they come back, now he's already got the point production going. He's feeling really good. Now his compadres are all back on the line together. And <laughs> let's LFG, let's freaking go. You know what I mean? I really think that that's going to, I think that that type of pressure is what Jake needs for his continued development. I know he's been in the league for a couple of times. He's not a rookie anymore, but he's still learning the game. He's still young enough and still impressionable that he can be put in certain situations like that and, and be counted on. And I really like the idea of when everybody comes back that, you know, we can start, uh, you know, getting more towards like a playoff type of feeling mid season and start, you know, playing, playing better and, and getting some points and going up the Atlantic division. I think it's, I think it's going to be a, a positive thing all around for everybody. So yeah. Enough, enough what do you media. think Mike? So I have a lot of positive things to say about Jake DeBrusque. One, I think he loves the city. I think he loves playing for the Bruins. Everybody remembers, I think it was 2018 or 2019 against the Leafs when he scored that goal in the playoffs. He's tugging on the jersey, going by the bench. Oh, yeah. He's somebody that I think the fan base can rally around if he really starts to get going because rescinded his trade request. Um, Loves the team. He just wants to be here. I love the style that he plays. And... I think he's somebody that can really have success. And the way he's going to be put into the lineup this year with a new coach, um, kind of, it's almost, it's weirdly like a fresh beginning for him. It feels like. And it's, it's up to him and how he plays, um, you know, and what direction that goes. And I really think he's going to have a great season. I think he's be, going to become, you know, or um, somebody really lean on this year. And especially like you were saying in the beginning, if he can get going and, you know, he's putting up maybe a point a night, a point every other night, getting some goals. He's somebody that can energize this team, too, and and really, you, you know, motivate everybody around him. And I'm hoping for good things. I think the fan base, the, those those the those fans who are kind of hard on him a little bit for sometimes dogging it or it seems like he's dogging it. I think they're going to turn around and I think they're really going to see what kind of player he is this year. And I think this is going to be his best career season so far. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. I'm in the same boat as you guys. Uh, the one question I do have is 
can this player play the right side without Brad Marchand on the left? That's one question I do have because I haven't seen it work any other time other than when he was playing on the right side with Brad Marchand on the left wing. And that's because they were always interchanging. You know, DeBrusque was able to be on the left side a lot more than he was on the right playing with a guy like Brad Marchand, who was all over the place. So that's one question I have. So I like your idea, Mark, of while Marchand is out for DeBrusque to switch back to his natural side. I do like that. But on the other hand, you could still have him on the right and have a guy like Zaka on the, on the left side. Um, Cause I'm not sure if Zaka is comfortable on the right side either. So that's one of those things that you got to kind of figure out. But if Jake DeBrus can come in, put his head down, really work his ass off playing in a top six situation for the entire season, I really think this kid could get upwards of, you know, in the higher thirties, maybe even hit 40 goals. He's that good. I mean, he's been playing a half a season his entire career. Let's see a full one out of you. Let's see what we can get. Yeah. And like, like Mike said, it's a fresh start. You know, uh, I mean, he's, he's got a new contract that kicks in next year and, and the following after that, you know, it's, it, I, I think it's going to be a positive year, you know, and obviously, you know, the word is out there that, you know, once, once uh, Cassidy was gone and, and then Jake rescinded his uh, trade request, it just seems like he's now like fully bought into like really coming into camp, working hard, you know, throughout the summer too. And uh, and getting it done to 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 be that player that he, that this Boston Bruins team and the fan base can rely on, because he does he does seem like he's having a really good time living in Boston. And even his down times when he was going through stretches of no point production, and in the trade request was out there and so on. He's still out there on the ice pregame skates, you know, taking pictures, having fun with it with the fans, you know, just being the a really good pro. And I think that that's uh, that's something that needs to be said too. Is he's always been a, a good pro, regardless of the of the narrative out there. Absolutely, I think him and a guy like uh, Zaka, I think they're going to become very good friends. I yeah. do. I you know the similar age, uh, they're dealing with similar stuff. Um, you know, in the beginning of their careers with uh, their respective fan bases, always dogging on them for being quote unquote busts, but. Yes. Um, maybe they can find some solace in each other and really push each other to be at their best. And that, that would be something great to see. Um, but speaking of all that, um, you know, when, when we look at this Bergeron and Krejci still aren't here, even though myself and maybe you guys as well truly believe, and maybe even know that they, that both Bergeron and Krejci will be here as of today, the lineup without those two, can be very, very um, scary to look at, uh, to say it kind of, you know, whatever. But <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, when you look at it, I mean, you have guys like you, your first line could be Hall, Coyle, and Pasternak. That could be your first line if those two, you know, for some reason decide not to come back. And then your second line, you're looking at DeBrusque and Zaka and Smith. You know, that's... Uh, Felino, no sextine, you know, Frederick Stanika, maybe a guy like McLaughlin it gets thrown in there. I mean, or Beecher or somebody. I mean, it's, it's not too promising for those who want to see this team kind of compete for a uh, playoff spot. So 
<laughs> what's your guys' thoughts on the possibility of going into the season with this being your your forward lines? Go ahead, Mike. If if that's the case, there's a zero percent chance we make the playoffs. Zero percent chance. You know, you saw teams in the Atlanta get better. Ottawa got better. Um, uh, Detroit even got better. And if if those two guys in Krejci and Bergeron don't come back, I'm thinking we're looking at maybe maybe even finishing behind Buffalo because Buffalo towards the end of the season. They they were kind of cruising. They were playing. I, I think they were playing over five hundred hockey. Um, it seems like the city's really buzzing again about the team. It seems like the guys there are motivated. Granted, you know they are Buffalo and they still got holes that they need to fill. But if if we have Charlie Coyle on our first line, he, I mean he's a third line center. He he's barely a second line center, and I love the guy. But it if that's the case, we're looking at a real real big step backwards yeah i'd have to agree with that it's not it's not the the sexy line uh, lineup at all that i'd like to see um but then again i really don't have an answer for for the the question kevin but i kind of want to throw another one out there is like uh, is the boston bruins done i mean this, there's still off-season moves that need to be done the 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 cap needs to be moved around so you can fit players like Zaka in, but then you got to think about is like, is Jake DeBrus now a trade asset? Could Craig Smith be a trade asset to free up some more money? Who knows what's going on? I mean, we, we don't, we're not in Don Sweeney's back pocket at all. And the guys, the guy's tighter than a Ziploc bag. He doesn't let anything <laughs> out, you know? So it's really hard to gauge what he's going to do because, you know, this, if we go into the season with that lineup without a, a Bergeron and Krejci, that's some scary thoughts. That's, that's, uh, that, that's going to bring on some very lean years when you're talking about, you know, uh, your, your streak of playoffs, you know, that's, that's really scary to, to see. And it's like, but then again, the, the weird guy in me says, and I, I never want to see the Boston Bruins tank or do bad, but, this upcoming draft is supposed to be much better than the last one. So, uh, you know, you can benefit from down years, down years, mm-hmm. but, you know, to, 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 in an effort to replenish your prospect pool. But yeah. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, I don't see, so this is just the opening night lineup. Of course you have other players coming in. Your defense is looking like maybe like a Lindholm, Carlo, Riley Zaboral, Forber Clifton, and then you still have Allmark and Swayman in that, but I don't see this team cracking 80 points. I don't see it. Even, even when Martian comes back, you're looking at maybe Martian, Coyle, and DeBrusque, and Hall, Zaka, and Pasternak, which could be a good line in my opinion, actually. Hall, Zaka, and Pasternak, that could end up being a really solid line. Zaka's skills are off the charts. Um, and that if there's a situation to get that kid to hit his top six potential, that would be it. Um but then you're looking at Felino Nosek Smith as a third line. Felino didn't really impress last year. Uh, who knows if he's even still on the team? Who knows if he's going to be able to bounce back? You know. And then you're looking at a kid line of maybe like a Frederick Stunikastein or Beecher. I'm sure we'll get to talking about Beecher later on. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 scary, you know. But on the like you said, there could be more offseason moves to be made. Whether that's players moving out or players coming in. We don't really know. 
but the cap situation is a little iffy. Now, on the flip side of things, if Bergeron and Krejci do resign, your situation just went from hell to heaven. So, you know, opening night, you're looking at instead, possibly, I mean, I know I was talking about the whole uh, DeBrusque on the right side, maybe that wouldn't work out type of thing without Martian, but I would at least try it to start. And my lines for opening night, if Bergeron and Krejci were to resign, and this is with, you know, what we have on the roster. I didn't foresee, you know, who's moving out as far as trades or anything like that. But Zaka, Bergeron, Pasternak, Hall, Krejci, DeBrusque. Um, and then you'd have Felino, Coyle, Smith, and then Frederick and Nosek and Steen. Now, I wouldn't foresee – I'd say at least one of Nosek, Felino, Smith, or even Riley would be having – to be moved in order to make these moves work because you need to sign Zaka. You need to be able to get Bergeron and Krejci in here, however those deals are going to be. So it could, it definitely would look different than that, but that right there already is looking better, even if you're infusing some young talent. I mean, it's um, this season is crucial when it comes to banking on your older stars to return, and that's scary not only for yeah. the fans, but for management. I mean, put yourself in, I know a lot of people like to make jokes and crack on Sweeney, but put yourself in his shoes, regardless if he made his bet or not. It's a lot of pressure to yep. be banking on two superstar, uh, it's not superstars, but two, you know, stars in the league who are 35 plus. That's scary. Yeah, it is. Not a valid point. Mike, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I agree with everything Kevin just said. I don't really have anything else to add to it because it's all true. It's yeah. it's a scary situation, and uh, it's not an easy one to solve either. You know, they kind of put themselves in this situation relying on these two, you know, veterans who are stars. And, I mean, Krejci spent last season, you know, back home, and who knows if maybe he regressed a little bit. We don't know, you know, and that's to be seen. Fair. Yeah, yeah. The league over there is is comparable, or it's, it's a like, it's maybe a little lower than the AHL level. So, and he and he was a well over a point producer over there right. Uh, right. in his uh, home home country with his family and so on. So, and he everybody most of people know that he does own a home in in the Carolinas, um, you know. So, and he has been in Boston to negotiate. We've all seen the pictures of his kid touching the Bobby Orr statue and so on and he's been talking to don sweeney but and and in in don sweeney's freaking um interviews he seems very comfortable with saying that they're you know it is what it is there's no timeline when these guys need to be signed by and so on so uh hopefully that it it does happen because i do agree with you kevin you know it, it's it, you know it's the heavens and the hells it's like you know it, whatever you get on opening day it's uh, it's going to be a shocking one to to me at least when I see that lineup, uh, one way or the other. And someone has to move. Yeah. Maybe two people have to move. And it's like when you look at the options, you got Nosek, Felino, Riley, Grizzlick, Smith. Um, you know these are the guys that you look at that you can move out. Uh, the left side of the defense is pretty jam packed, so at least one of those guys needs to go. Um, Smith, he's carrying a $3 million or $3.1 million, um, cap hit for this year. I believe this is his last year of yep. that contract. Yep. Mm -hmm. So you have that, you have that, 
Felino would be very tough to move, but is the most attractive piece to move just because he is making, you know, uh, just under $4 million. He isn't giving much to the team, at least on the offensive side of things. I think we all can agree that defensively um, and his uh, characteristics and intangibles are all great. But for that amount of money, you need to at least be giving me 30 30 something points in the season, maybe 10 goals, at least give me that. Yeah. Uh, but we haven't seen it. Um, it'd be still a tough to move. Grizzly would be tough to move, right? Well, I don't know if he'd be tough to move, but you wouldn't really get what you could if he was healthy. Um, Riley, another guy. I mean, I think that's your, probably your best bet. But then when it comes down to uh, opening up the season, who are you going to put in there? If Riley goes, who are you putting in there? Yeah. What do you, what's your what's your defense going to look like? Sweeney's job is not that easy, guys. For you <laughs> out there who think that this is so damn easy, I would love for you to sign up and put your freaking application in, and you go deal with this mess. And you probably don't even understand the logistics and the ins and outs of the cap and how it actually really works. I mean, it's not easy, you know. Yeah. So I'm not going to say let's give the guy some slack, but you know, just think about it. Just Absolutely. think about it a little bit. Absolutely. What a segue into thinking about getting a free account at betonline.ag. I would highly recommend it. I use it, and I think a lot of people use it uh, around the BNG production sport media company. So uh, let's hear from our show sponsor, betonline.ag, and we'll talk some more Bruins on the other side. Our partners at betonline.ag continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest odds, news, and developments, including next year's NBA and NHL futures, PGA Tour golf, Major League Baseball scores, and all the latest fighting news and even next season's early NFL futures. Betonline.ag is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs esports, and so much more. Head over to the betonline.ag website or use your mobile device to sign up for a free account and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first cash deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50 to get the bonus and get in on the action. Betonline.ag, it's where the game starts. What's up, Bees fans? We are back talking Boston Bruins. We just heard from the amazing show sponsor, betonline.ag. Please use that code CLNS50. It does us a great service and it helps us pay the uh, bills here at a uh, small sports media company. So, um, yeah, we, this I, I, the Open, I'm watching it right now. I wish we were doing this show a couple <laughs> of days ago so I could hype that up. But, uh, you know, there's baseball, there's uh, NFL futures, ba- uh, hockey futures, um, basketball futures and so on they're on betonline.ag and there's a ton of worldwide sports that you can go and bet on there's even casino games and so on so hi check it out get a free account get yourself a sweet ass sign up bonus and uh 50 sign up bonus it's a good deal all right so with that talking bees as i said before uh let's dive into some development camp um conversations uh we were we were heavily represented at the Warrior Ice Arena in Brighton, Massachusetts uh, last week. 
Um, I was there all week, uh, and my boy Mike down there, he was there um, g- creating a good opportunity for himself to be up with the heavy hitters in Boston sports media, especially when you're talking about hockey. Um, and I thought it was a great week. Um, we had Theo Lander in the house. We had myself. We had you. We had uh, Ryan Duffy was uh, was there as well for Thursday and Friday covering the uh, the press box for us. So uh, a big shout out to the Boston Bruins organization for giving us this access and to create uh, some really good content. And it was, a, it was a fantastic week. They always put on a good, a good, um, a good festivities at the Warrior. And uh, this was a surprising five day event when normally it's three or four days. So it was really cool. And and um, I stayed in Boston all week, so I didn't have to travel back and forth because traveling sucks back and forth. Uh, so it was fun. Um, so let's talk about some players that uh, stood out to us. Um, and and I want to. I'll start with uh, Johnny Beecher. I thought he had an, a, a great camp. Now let's let's just let's just say that it's just a training kind of training camp, development camp. There's, there's, there was a scrimmage on the final day, but more or less, this is just to show your skills and so on. But uh, John Beecher, uh, he was just so fast this week. He's got a huge stride, good speed. Um, protect, he protected the puck amazingly all week. Um, and he was hard to, in puck battles. Um, and I cannot wait for, to see him in a full year at, at, with the Providence Bruins. Uh, but he was definitely one that stood out to me. Um, what do you uh, who stood out to you uh, most likely, uh, Mike? Sorry about that. Fumbled my words. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, I'm kind of gonna go off the board here a little bit. Maybe a guy who not too many people know, Reese Gaber. He he's playing at North Dakota this year. He has one more year there. Um, but he's got a great shot. He he is undersized. I I believe he's five eight, maybe around like 160 pounds, but he's got all the skills there. For a, for a guy his size, he's speedy, he's shifty. Um, like I said, his shot's great. And uh, for a guy who who got the camp invite, kind of just out of college, he I, I think a lot of NHL teams, when it's his time to sign, are gonna take a good look at him. And I hope the Bruins do because he 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 seems like he's got some tools that could be very useful. Yeah. Yeah, he was buzzing all over the place. Yeah, he has a camp invite. And uh, he's a, he's a good dude, and um, yeah, he was just everywhere. I couldn't believe how fast that guy is, and 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 a, and a decent release as well. Yeah, he um he played for Dubuque too, and he is actually the um like the the all time leading goal scorer there. He he has skills, and it's just kind of I feel like he has to find a way if he's gonna make it. He has to deal with his size, and he has to figure out a way to make it work. But I do think he has the skills, whether that's gonna be a couple years of Providence to figure it out or or sizing up, hitting the gym, <laughs> drinking some more protein shakes, figuring it out. But right. he, he does have the skills and he's got the speed. He he stood out to me for sure. Yeah. You, you have anything, Kevin? Well, I mean, I was only there for a single day on Monday, um, which was it was good. Um, so I wasn't able to actually be there like these guys and, you know, watch them day in and day out, but I did get some reading in, but if I was going off the single day, I was there. Um, Jackson Edwards stood out to me as a player who for where he was picked, 
had some really good sound fundamentals, some really good edge work in his skating. Uh, he had a pretty damn good shot, and he had a little bit of explosiveness. Um, I like the player a lot. For a seventh-round pick, I really like the player. Do I think he makes the NHL? I have no idea. But from what I've seen just in this very short period of time of knowing that he existed on this earth, I think that um, you got a good quality pick there at the seventh uh, pick, uh, seventh-round pick. Yeah. Uh, a couple other players on the forwards that really stood out to me was uh, Riley Duran, uh, Andre Gasau, uh, Brett Harrison. I thought that he started a little um, rough on Monday. Uh, oh, yeah. Couldn't, couldn't stay on his feet. It might have been uh, a skate issue that particular time, but it almost seemed like he got more and more comfortable as the week went on uh, and in the, um, in the scrimmage on Friday. Uh, Oscar Yelovic, uh, I, I thought he was just – his skill set is off the charts uh, good. Um, uh, Trevor Kuntar, I thought he was pretty good. Uh, Matthias Mantikivi uh, showed some good stuff early. Uh, looked like he uh, pulled something on Monday. He was laboring pretty hard, but, you know, I, I think that got all worked out and made, made the best of his week. Uh, Mark McLaughlin, another one that I, I think is going to be huge for Providence – uh, he, he's got some really good skills uh, and, and speed and, and just a really, really good shot. Um, uh, Tyler Paquette is an invite that I found I was very intrigued by. The guy is 6'3", he's 201 already. He's a right wing, right shooting uh, forward. Um, and he is going to uh, Penn State University. And I think that the Bruins should keep their eye on uh, a guy like that. Um, he was tenacious. Let's put it that way. He was hard on the boards and he was hard to play around the net. And and let me tell you something. This was development camp and so on. But this week, I saw more physicality this week than I have since I've been covering uh, Bruins development camp since 2016. To be honest with you, it was real physical out there. And they weren't leaving anything just because it was a summer get together uh, in Boston. Um, Jake Schmaltz was good. Cole Sp- Spicer, I thought was really good. And uh, that Luke Toporowski, I thought he had some really good skills as well. And I look forward to see him in Providence. Now, what did you guys think of Matthew Potois, the Potra, Potra. I think that's how you say it. Matthew Potra. Uh, what did you guys think of him? Um, the, the day I was there, I noticed that I, he was he was fine. You know, it was his first camp. Um, I, I noticed he was okay. He didn't stand out, but he also I, – I didn't see anything I disliked. What did you guys think of him as the week progressed? Raw. I mean, yeah. something that can definitely be worked on. Um, I, I, I saw a good skill set, something that you can definitely build on. Uh, good player. Looked like he was having fun out there, always smiling, uh, but worked hard. Worked hard. So I think uh, I think the you know another year or two uh, back in Guelph in the Ontario Hockey League would do him a uh, some uh, you know do him well, both the organization and the player well to to keep developing stuff like that. Um, but he's got a good edge work. He's got good agility and so on. Those are the things that you you see in a young player that it can definitely be improved on by coaching and so on. And, and these, these summer camps like that are, are something that, 
you can like breed the system into a player and say this is what you need to work on and so on. So I think that he's going to absorb like a sponge um, at, at these development camps. And anytime he has an opportunity to be around the Boston Bruins organization, much like this past week. And I think he's going to learn from that and just and, and grow. Um, I, but I, I like the way he was vocal as well. And the other thing that stood out to me was he was always the last one on the ice talking to a, a player as the Zamboni was going around. So it's just – he just seems like he was just acting like a sponge. And those are the really good things that you can you, you see from a developing player. Mike, what are yeah. your thoughts? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. He, I mean, he's only 18, just drafted him this year. Um, definitely going back to the OHL. Uh, last season with Guelph, he had 50 points in 68 games. That's pretty good for a first-year OHL player. He's like, like you said, Mark, he was like a sponge. He was just absorbing everything, soaking it all up. He was asking everybody questions left and right. He was always talking to somebody. And that's a really good thing to see out of a draft pick as well. He, he's, he wasn't just out there skating. He wasn't in his own head. He, he might've been a little bit nervous as I'm sure everybody would be at your own, at your first development camp. Um, I probably wouldn't even be able to get on the ice. I'd be puking. <laughs> I'd still have my skate guards on. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I think I think uh, you know as the years go on and he develops a little bit more, he's going to become a good player. Uh, had great edge work, skating was awesome. Uh, he was great with the puck as well, um, passing well. But you know, it is Dev Camp. Um, we'll learn more about him and how he's going to progress from his season this year uh, in Guelph, and kind of take you know see see where he's at and then coming to next season definitely expecting a little bit more but um yeah i think he was kind of where we all expected at dev camp just kind of soaking everything in yeah i would not be surprised if he took a huge leap forward this year in guelph um you know missing out on your rookie season due to um a pandemic can't be easy and to bounce back and put up the points that he did was and was able to put up in his first official year in the OHL shows a lot of promise. And um, I like the kids. So we'll see where that goes. Thank you for your information guys. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, sure. the, the, the confidence of being a, a draft pick in, in the original six in the national hockey league, I would think that that is just going to, that that's a like career builder right there for me. You know, I think he's going to go back. I think he's going to work a lot harder than he probably ever has before um to you know to round out some some raw parts of his games and his attributes and so on you know it, uh, be a better two-way player uh be a better player away from the puck not only with the puck and so on so i think that by knowing that you you are a national hockey league team property i think that's a boost of confidence as well so I, I think it's going to be uh, a good thing for him and yeah i i could definitely see him surpassing his uh his total from last year, which, which was basically his rookie season, you know, for sure. So, remains yeah, to be he, seen, but he's a, he's a good kid. And just seems like he's, he's going to fit the the mold of being a Boston Bruin, you know, for the future. Yeah. He, he even mentioned um, after he got drafted, he got a text from Patrice Bergeron, just welcoming him to the team and his face lit up. Like you could just tell how happy he was and how much that really meant to him. So get, I mean, getting a text from Patrice Bergeron, 
after you get drafted that has to motivate you like crazy. Oh, yeah. you know, I he, have he's got to be ready to go. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Another breadcrumb that Patrice Bergeron is still your captain. I know. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> he's still coming back. Um, let's talk about uh, the defenseman. I know you guys have been jumping around on it, but uh, I thought Frederick Brunette was uh, really good. Uh, and he's a 6'2", 185. Uh, played for Ramuski, probably going, most likely going back. Michael Callahan did good. Jackson Edward, I thought was uh, was a standout. Uh, Grant Gabriel was all right. Uh, Ty Gallagher, another one, uh, Boston University. He was really good. A really good skill set out there showing. Um, and yeah, just can't wait to see that kid uh, at BU next season. J.D. Greenway was an interesting player, um, and I think they're trying to convert him to be a forward. Uh, it, it does say D slash F, uh, and J.D.'s got some some a decent skill set. Big body kid. He's uh, he's 6'5", 216, um, and I, I, I talked to him in the elevator with Mark McLaughlin, and he is, he is a big boy, and just coming off of shoulder surgery, so... Um, Moving down to uh, Mason Langenbrunner, I thought he did okay. He played for Fargo in the USHL last year. Mason Lorai was not at camp. He was at camp, but he was not on ice for participation. Um, but he was there to soak it all in and work with the training staff as he recovers from a, a knee injury. Um, Ryan Mast, I thought, had a very, very good development camp. And let me tell you something about Ryan Mast. That guy was so close to Adam McQuaid all week. Like I saw they that. would, they would yeah, just, yeah. and I, and I sent you a, in Dom, a DM talking about that. It was so good to just see him just absorb anything that Adam had to say. The two, one those one's a former NHL defenseman and one's an up, aspiring NHL defenseman. There's no better person to learn from when it comes to physicality and positioning because and, and blocking shots and so on, because Adam did all of that stuff. So uh, it, great for the tutelage um, and, and so on. And, and also, and Adam McQuaid has some really good things to say about a lot of players in this, in this camp and, and his role in the Boston Bruins organization. Um, thoughts on uh, any of the defensemen again, Mike, real quick? Yeah. Yeah. So speaking about Adam McQuaid, as a media guy, I was lucky enough to hear his thoughts firsthand. And he was talking about Jackson Edwards' size and how strong he already is at such a young age. Um, watching Jackson Edward all week, he he doesn't look like a seventh round pick. He 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 looks like somebody who we not stole. That might not be the right word, but somebody who has more value than your average seventh round pick. And I mean, he's six two, one hundred and ninety four pounds already, um, eighteen years old. Um, he, I asked him as well. He said, I asked him what part of his game he believes is the most underrated. And he said his two-way game. And I think what we saw from this week is, or rather at the draft, everybody was saying like he's a physical guy, almost just a one-dimensional guy. He's, he can't really skate. Uh, he's tough with the puck. But from what we saw firsthand at Warrior, he was moving pretty well. He was, he was passing the puck well. He, he was honestly kind of shifty and like, I forget which one of you said it, but uh, his explosiveness, he, mm -hmm. he, he can really, he can move. Um, he, he's not afraid to carry the puck. Um, he, he cuts to the net all the time, uh, making plays. 
And um, I think he's somebody to kind of keep your eye on because he indicated that he was going to go back to London this year. Yep. And so he's a guy that I'm going to watch kind of carefully just to see how his game is trending and, um, you know, how he progresses as a whole. Because I think I think uh, he has a solid shot to become a, uh, a, a real guy in this organization. Yeah. Anybody else stand out for you on the defense, Mike? Uh, Ryan Mast had a good camp. Um, Mason Langenbrunner did pretty well. Ty Gallagher, uh, he he was he had some good days and some bad days, in, in my opinion. They're mostly good days. Um, but he is going to be going back to Boston University, I believe. So um, it'll be interesting to kind of keep an eye on him as well and see how he en- ends up progressing. But those are really the main guys that I was looking at. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, um, going to the goaltenders, um, I, I was really, really impressed with Brandon Bussey, um, and I stood behind him taking video, and boy, he is a big, big kid, um, and he's a right-handed goaltender like me, so another famous, you know, goaltender, you know, uh, C-League, uh, deck hockey, you know, that's me. Uh, anyway, uh, but no, I, I um, really good things out of camp from him is a lot of moving side to side. His positioning as a bigger goaltender, he t- tends not to like venture outside of the crease to cut the angles down because it uses his size so well. Uh, tracks the puck really good, um, and like I said, he's just he does have uh, he's very athletic. Um, so hopefully he goes to Providence or maybe even East Coast Maine. But uh, I thought he had a good showing. Uh, another another kid that I was really impressed with was a camp invite, Gabriel Carrier. Um, he, he plays for the University of Vermont. Um, Reed Dick, I thought he played really, really good at camp. Um, another big goaltender uh, that, um, you know, moves really well and so on. Kevin, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and to round it all off, uh, Philip Spedebeck, I thought he did uh, really well. And he played for the Dubake Fighting Saints last year. And we'll be attending uh, Providence College this year. Go ahead, Kevin. <laughs> did you get any? Did you get any good video on Dick? Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> did he stand tall in the net, or did he kind of shrink in the? Uh, no, uh... no, I thought he was. I thought he worked hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, reeling it back Sorry, in, I... reeling it back in. <laughs> Thoughts on uh, the goaltenders, uh, Mike, who were in you were in house for the the whole week. Um, I like Svedback. Svedback seemed pretty confident in net. Um, honestly, on the goalies, I re- I don't have too much. Um, Reed Dick was good. Uh, Svedback was good. There, what I did notice is they're all real, really big. Well, they did. They it seemed like they stacked on some tall, heavy goalies. So maybe just trying to fill up as much space as you can. But oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, not too much. All right. Well, uh, I do I do want to mention that um, that uh, Fabian Lysel did not make it to camp this year. Uh, he is in preparation uh, for the World Juniors uh, in twenty three days that are going to be happening up in uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia. I believe that's where it's going to be. Um, and uh, yeah, he, so he's, he was, uh, he said he was, uh, it's sad 
that he couldn't make it to camp, but it's uh, it's important for him to represent his country in uh, in the uh, under twenty tournament. So uh, that's that. But that's development camp pretty much all wrapped up into one. It was a really exciting week, and I, I can't thank Mike Sullivan enough um, for the uh, opportunity to meet you personally but and work with you, but to have you uh, get that experience up in the uh, press box and, and uh, player interviews and getting video for us and so on. It was just an absolute class act. But uh, everybody put on a really good show, um, and it was really good to see everybody out there uh, who did make it like Kevin and so on. And, and Andrew Taverna, he came down for two days, got me absolutely shit faced on Thursday. Oh, shucks. <laughs> I just missed him. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a good week. So, um, yeah, shout out to, uh, the studio Alston hotel. And, uh, one of my favorite, uh, places to go and have a beverage after was article 24, which is just a, a few minutes down the road, a nice little bar there with uh, an amazing short rib. Oh, oh, I had that twice last week. Yeah, I was eating steak. I was eating steaks at steakhouses all week and braised short ribs everywhere. It was unbelievable. And there wonder why? I wonder why I'm 227 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you didn't look it when I saw you. I'll tell no, you that. Well, I know it's all in my gut. You know, it's just that I, I do have the beer belly. I feel your pain. I accept mine's not a beer belly. I can't. Uh, uh, mine's more of a jello and quarter pounder belly. So, uh, <laughs> that's funny. All right. But uh, yeah, that's that was development camp and you know, a lot of good things uh, that we went through um, and a good experience for everybody and happy it's over. Happy to be back home. But uh, yeah. All right. So where are we going now, gentlemen? Well, I mean, I could do read dick jokes for about 15 minutes, but oh, I, I know there's better could. things to talk about. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, with developing development camp set and done and, you know, there's certain players who we know are going to go back to their organizations, whether that be, you know, in the OHL overseas or what have you. But are there any players that you could see having a chance at maybe cracking a spot in the lineup Coming opening night after maybe a strong um, uh, training camp. Are there any players you guys see? Uh, for me, it's going to be Johnny Beecher. Just his his skill set. Lot this this past week at development camp was was on par. And and if he just comes into Providence next year, and um, and really puts in a, a, a better effort than. And he, he did okay in his first, like, eight games with the Providence Bruins after he left uh, the University of Michigan um, in his junior year. Um, but I, I expect him to work hard this this offseason and uh, really show that he could, you know, be, be that player, that number one pick. I'm not saying he's going to be on the front line and so on, but uh, get somewhere in the lineup, get a couple games in this year, uh, whether it be an emergency basis or or <laughs> – You've done you've done a good job down in Providence, kind of, um, you know. Uh, thank you. So I, I could see John Beecher getting in the lineup. Um, I really Mark McLaughlin's another one that could uh, could possibly make it. He had he had a good showing this year at camp. Um, that's it for forwards, to be honest. Uh, defensemen. And it was, and he wasn't even there, which I was actually shocked. But I could see Kai Weisman making a uh, a few games for the Pro uh, Boston Bruins uh, if if needed. 
Um, but I don't see anybody else that I, just screams out to me on the defensive core uh, that was at camp that is going to, you know, make that make that transition pro. Um, uh, Michael Callahan is a possibility because he's going to be in Providence. Um, but I don't, I'm not really sure about uh, who else can make that jump. Okay, so wh- I, I have one comment on McLaughlin. I think this kid's an NHL player right now. Um, and I have a question for you on Beecher. Is he the next Judd Studnika for fans? Uh, if he's if he signed, I know he I know he accepted the qualifying offer, um, but I don't know. I think this is the type of coach Jim Montgomery. Uh, he could get Studnika in the lineup, um, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm gonna have to look more into it because uh, I think if he makes the lineup and goes down, I think he has to go through the waiver process because I think he's outside. Of, if he signs a contract as an RFA, he's outside of the three-year entry-level deal, so that would uh, make him eligible for waivers to go down. I don't think it's the game count anymore once you outside of that three-year entry-level deal. So, well, what what I mean is, do you think that? Johnny Beecher is the next Jack Studnicka for the fans to kind of gravitate towards and say, Oh, this is going to be our two C. Oh, put him at two C let's get him at two C, you know? And and then he's, you know, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say he's going to fall flat on his face, but is this the next guy that Boston Bruins fans are going to gravitate towards and, and be like, this is the guy that you need to put with Pasternak and blah, 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 blah. Anyone who's on the team. It's a good possibility. It have really that feeling. Is, it really is a good possibility that that could happen. Um, but it, it just remains to be seen on how he plays down in Providence, too. I'm probably not very good at that answering that question. I'm sorry, Kevin. <laughs> That's fine. I, I think the fans are going to jump all over this kid and and – Expect him to be something he might not be. Like, well, that's what they did. That's what they did with Sidnika. And when he came to Boston, and a few people saw him in training in development camp, which was, I mean, his skating and his stick handle abilities, they raved that he was supposed to. He should be on the lineup his rookie year, right out, right after he left the podium. They wanted him in the NHL, and it's taken this long for him to get any consistency. So, I don't, I don't know. It's that's a tough one, but. Mike, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think um, I think it's kind of situational because we have, you know, like we were saying earlier, Bergeron and Krejci are older. Um, it's going to end at some point. So I think most fans just want an immediate solution to that problem. So any guy who has that potential, you know, they're going to want them to step in almost right away just to at least see how it works out. But, I mean, the fans here – the fans here love jumping down guys' throats and it, they're not very patient here. So, and I think that's something that is unfortunate about Boston, but it's just kind of the reality of the situation. Um, so, yeah, to answer your question, I do think fans are going to be, you know, hoping for that, but I don't know if they should be, <laughs> but right. I, yeah, I think that is going to happen. Yeah. I think he could be a solid bottom six forward yes. type of guy. Yeah. Johnny Beecher, hardworking. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, maybe his ceiling could be similar to a Charlie Coyle. Maybe. I, I put in big emphasis, maybe, because I don't want to put that on him because while people may want to crap all over Charlie Coyle, he's a very, very good hockey player. 
Yeah. Very good hockey player. Um, but for me, I think Mark McLaughlin is an NHL player today as we stand. And I think, and if it was up to me, if I was coach Montgomery, he'd be in my lineup every single night. Absolutely. That's just my opinion. Yep. Yeah. He, he did really well uh, at dev camp uh, and a really good guy to talk to too. Um, all right. So now that we're outside of that, anybody else have anything they want to talk about? Come on, Mike. I know you got something. I can see it in the face. <laughs> I was gonna. I mean, I was gonna bring up Jake DeBrusque, but that was already brought up. Um, I mean, just to kind of throw something at the wall. Who do you do you see maybe Olmark in the future maybe getting moved? I know he has a no trade, but Swayman's coming up. Olmark is making, I think, five million. Um, I would hate to see him get broken up, but. We were saying, too, Keith Kincaid could be a reliable backup. Um, and this is – I have nothing, like, no sources or anything. I'm just throwing this at the wall. Right. Just because of the cap crunch that we're in. Uh, we have two very good goalies, and Swayman is coming up, and he, he seems to be uh, – he like, he should be our number one guy. Um, so, yeah, just maybe on the, his, on the future of our goaltending duos – well, it kind of depends on how Allmark is going to be doing in the next year or, or even two. Um, if if he tanks and plummets, it, it, you know, I, I think the Bruins could possibly approach him and say, listen, you might have a better opportunity with another NHL team. Would you mind waving your, uh, your claws? Um, but I kind of want to stay a little positive on this, too. Yeah. And and just say that I think that what we saw last year was was something special in these in these two goaltenders. Um they they're good friends and so on, but I also like the way that Bruce Cassidy absolutely split the season with them both. Gave them 41 games, uh 41 appearances whatever, and and I thought they did pretty good. I mean, they weren't like in the top like two uh, in, in goals against average and, and save percentage. They weren't Jennings freaking trophy winners, but um, I think that they were good enough to, you know, a good 1A, 1B tandem. And um, I think that they will bring that into the next season and, and possibly get higher in the rankings, uh, maybe even closer to the that Jennings type of uh, season for them both. Yeah, I mean, for me, this season, definitely no. Um, I think that Allmark is very valuable to this team at this point. I think after settling into not only a new city, but a new system, learning your defensemen, learning your forwards, um, you know, learning all that stuff. I think he settled in very nicely. And I think he was the better goaltender down the stretch Um, playoffs. I know a lot of people are going to look at his two games and say, oh, well, you know, maybe if we had Swayman in there for those two games, we would have won that series, blah, 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 blah. But I don't buy that. The, they lost every single game that they went into Carolina. Swayman got lit up the same exact way that Allmark got lit up in those first two games in Carolina in game five. I mean, game seven was a different animal. Um, the team played a lot better in front of Swayman than they had the previous three times they were in Carolina. I think that Allmark definitely should stay because I'm not even 100% sold yet that Swayman should be the 1A. I'm not sold. I think Swayman had a very good step forward this year. Um, very good. But I'd say both goaltenders are on par with each other, and I think it's going to be a, another battle in training camp to see who gets that um, that first start this year. 
And whether you, you know, either way you look at it right now, this season, you have your goaltenders locked up for under $6 million, two mm-hmm. very quality NHL goaltenders. Um, he does have the full no, no movement clause. So I don't think Sweeney would even approach him about it this year, but next year he will have a limited um, uh, no trade clause. I believe it's a 16 team, no trade list. And there is plenty, plenty of quality NHL teams out there who are looking for goaltending that he just may not have on that list and teams may line up for. And depending on the cap situation, where they are as a team, what they're doing, how many years Bergeron and Krejci are back for, at that point, I think you do maybe look at that. But it's not because I think Allmark is bad or not valuable for this team, but because it makes sense moving forward, especially if Swayman is the guy. Yeah. But he's yeah, absolutely. To, to me, Swayman is is a is a future project, probably the 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 next organizational goaltender, much like Tuka Rask was previously. Um, but for me, and I love his potential, and I love Swayman. He's a great kid, and and I've interviewed him several times on in Providence. I've interviewed him at development camp. He's just that 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 goaltender that you want in the mix. But he's not I, to me. He's not the guy yet. Uh, and so many people um, put him on the pedestal right now of, of being the best around. And I get the fandom and and so on. You know, you want to be positive about a player that you that you really like or you followed in the NCAA and so on. But for me right now, until this team is structured better out of the crease, I'm not sure if we've seen the best Jeremy Swayman yet. 100%. Yeah. Agreed. Much like, much like what, much like what, what Peter Shirelli did with everything in front of Tim Thomas back in 2011. You know, he built that that team out from the goal out, and look what happened. Until that happens, that's when I'm going to know we have our guy. Yep. And, you know, you hit the nail on the head there. Jeremy Swayman, I, you know, I'm sure everyone on this episode right now sees the very good potential in this kid. He's got a few things to work on, but they're not tough things to work on. You know, rebound control can be fixed. That's yep. one of his major areas right there that he needs help with. Um, I think he's going to be able to do that. I think he's going to be one of the better goaltenders in this league, but it's just not today. And that's okay. Yeah. And before I lose it, he's not even hit his prime years yet of goaltenders. Right. Goaltenders naturally get their rhythm in the 27, 28 and above um, areas of the, of their careers. So we haven't seen the best yet. And that's why I can't say I can't put him on the pedestal. Like so many, so many do right now. You know, give him the Vizina, give him the Rookie of the Year, give him the Jennings. It's like, no, I I, I see potential, but I haven't seen a full uh, what Jeremy Swayman can actually do. Yeah, and one more thing before I lose it. <laughs> um, he would not have even of touched the NHL level yet if it wasn't for both Tuka Rask and Yaroslav Halak going down in that shortened season. Exactly. He would not have touched NHL time. Maybe last season he would have he would have seen some games, possibly because that's right around the time Tuka Rask started seeing games was that age mark right there. Yep. But over the next few seasons, you'd see him being integrated more and more, become the regular backup, and then eventually finally take over. Um, you know the way that it happened for Tuka Rask, and that's a good comparable in my opinion because the two of them were very similar at this age. 
Um, obviously, Tuka Rask is a little bit bigger, plays a little tiny bit differently, but they were in a similar bracket. Um, am I saying that Swayman will be Tuka Rask? No, but you never know. You never know. And it's all about development and giving the kid time. And to throw him to the Wolves, which is what you'd be doing. You'd be throwing him to the Wolves. And uh, while I like the Kincaid signing, that is a break glass in case of emergency type of thing for me. If you have him as your full-time backup, I'm not sure if you can get at least the 25 to 30 games that you would want out of your backup goaltender for Jeremy Swayman to feel okay being this young. I mean, if you're going to throw him in there to play the amount of games a guy like uh, uh, Shesterkin plays or Hellebuck or uh, Vasilevsky, you are going to murder this kid. You're going to murder his potential. It's going to be done. So for me, all Mark stays. I don't care what Mike Felger says. I don't care. <laughs> and his little puppet, Tony Maz, and everyone else. All Mark staying and stop calling him Skid Mark. It's pissing me off. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Man, this show should have a squeaky guy that talks like Maz. <laughs> all right. Um, I don't know if I have anything. I'm trying to think trying to stretch this out a little bit, but I think we might be out of things to talk about. Right guys. You want me to do some read dick jokes? I mean, no, <laughs> <laughs> we can go another half hour. <laughs> I know. Right. <laughs> Before we do end, I do want to say, Mike, it's been great having you on. Um, you know, I, I don't know how old you are, but I think you're a great kid. Um, awesome. Thank you. Thank and you know, you seem like you have a good head on your shoulders and a long career ahead of you when it comes to um, media type of stuff it seems like you really are into this stuff and i've enjoyed speaking with you and it's been great appreciate you coming on yeah i mean i'm just thankful for the opportunities that you guys are giving me um i'm gonna take the ball and run with it (laughs) i'm taking the ball and running with it but um yeah it's just it's something that i've always kind of worked towards um something i don't take lightly either it's something that i'm very serious about um and I, I really can't say how grateful I really am. Like this is this is a great spot. Uh, the team's awesome. I love being a part of it, and I can't wait to see where it goes. So, absolutely, yeah. I'm I'm really excited that you came on, and and we're aggressive, and that's why you've got these opportunities as as a media member, and like like Theo Lander, the same thing. You know, that's why he got the opportunity to cover the uh, Jim Montgomery uh, press conference. You know. The guys that the, the people that want to work and they want to grind here are going to be the the most beneficial uh, colleagues out of our, out of our group. So um, again, I wanted to say thank you very much for the time today and talking uh, Boston Bruins and some news about last week and development camp, but also about development camp and your time there as a media member. Um, you really did a, a fantastic job. Um, Evan Marinovsky was telling me uh, that you were up, upstairs doing a good job talking and, and getting, you know, working hard. So that, that really, uh, I appreciate that. Um, so, um, with that being said, let's, uh, let's call this a show and go enjoy our Sunday afternoon with the, uh, with the ladies and the family, whatever. And, uh, I'm going to go cook some steak on the, on the grill. So, uh, excited for that. Love my new grill and I love being home. Uh, I haven't been able to, 
to do much of anything lately. I do have an article coming out about my thoughts about development camp. So uh, that's approaching 1215 words right now. So geez, it's taken me a little, it's taken me a little while. That's probably going to be a 2,500 worder. So uh, with that being said, I am host Mark Allred. That is Kevin O'Keefe. And that's the new guy, Mike Sullivan. Uh, you can follow him at underscore Mike Sullivan on the tweet machine. So uh, with that being said, I will, we will talk to you guys next week. More Boston Bruins news uh, coming up, hopefully. Hopefully, huh, Kevin? Right? Yeah? Yeah? Okay. Hopefully. Yeah, we'll probably talk <laughs> We'll probably talk about it next week, but uh, we probably won't have a, a long show next week. Hopefully, we get Dom back and, uh, and talk to him, um, but we'll figure it out. But um, hope everybody stays safe. Thank you, everybody, for sharing, retweeting. The listens, the downloads have been fantastic, by the way. And um, the interaction on Twitter, please reach out uh, to any of us um, on Twitter and ask us questions. We love to to interact. Uh, obviously, not with the not with the uh, the dicks out there, you know, the the asshats that just love to stir the the uh, the shit. But um, no, we. I mean, that's what we do. That's what we live for, and just to talk hockey and so on. So um, I'm gonna stop gabbing. But uh, yeah, that's episode two eighty seven. I'm your host, Mark Allred, Kevin O'Keefe, Mike Sullivan. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at blackandgoldpod, at bngproductions, at blackandgold277, and at kevin underscore o'keefe89. Also, please don't forget to check out our official blackandgoldhockey.com website where we cover the Bruins organization from the NHL level down to the prospects worldwide. Peace out.